0: following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So as I mentioned uh, a few moments ago, we are doing two things today. We're both having a service of baptism and concluding our series on Paul's letter to the Philippians. And although the word baptism doesn't appear in this letter, I do think that there happens to be a passage that fits with the idea of baptism really well. And it happens to be in chapter 3, which is the one chapter that we haven't gotten to in this little letter. Now, we typically would go through in order with something like this, but for this particular series, we just each, we just took a, a, one passage from each of the four chapters of Philippians and had a, a message and a reflection on that. So today is chapter 3, and uh, if you want to grab a red Bible, if you have access to one, thank you, Dan, it would be on page 954. If you brought your own Bible, that probably means you're good enough at Bible stuff to find Philippians chapter 3 on your own. I would encourage you to bring your own Bible if you have one. I do think there's something meaningful about connecting to the the text in 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 the same way each time and in the same way at home as you do here. And if you don't have a Bible, would like to take one, there are tons of these red ones lying around. There's a whole library cart full of them at the back of the room. You are most welcome to take one home with you. Um, Matter of fact, we would consider it an honor to bless you in that way. And before we read this chapter, and some of you have already jumped in and started to read it ahead, I know you. I know how you do this. Um, you need to know that it gets a little. It starts out a little bit weird because Paul starts talking about circumcision right out of the gate. Now he's a brash fellow, but he doesn't do this in the very beginning of the letter. He waits, a f- you know, into what we edited into chapters. He's in the third chapter before it comes up in this particular way. Um, but you need to know that this is what he's talking about now. The circumcision uh, at the time was much more than just a, a medical procedure. It was the sign of the covenant between Abraham and his descendants and God. It was the sign for the people of Israel that God had set them apart as a holy nation, had blessed them so that they could be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. Now, this may seem a little bit weird as we're trying to get to baptism somehow, but actually it's not weird at all. It's a remarkably good fit for a baptism service because Christians have always considered baptism to be the sign of the new covenant that God makes with all people through his son, Jesus Christ. So baptism is to Christianity as circumcision is to Judaism. That's your SAT analogy for the morning. And this is very clear to us now, but actually the transition away from circumcision was a pretty difficult one for the early Christians who were almost all observant, devout Jews. And we talk about this here at Artisan from time to time. It's one of my favorite movements in scripture, how the early church struggled with whether or not the early Gentile converts to Christianity should be required to be circumcised and observe the entire Jewish law before they could be considered good Christians. Now, uh, Paul's answer to that question is an unequivocal no Um, And he actually argues this point in fairly graphic terms. At one point in a different letter, he he even goes so far as to say, I wish the circumcisers would finish the job and castrate themselves and leave you alone. That's Paul. (laughs) But that's in a different letter. Let's see what he has to say in this letter. We're going to look at chapter 3. And uh, verses one through eleven. We'll start with the second half of chapter one. Actually, just start with chapter with with verse two. Excuse me. He says, "Beware of the dogs! Beware of the evil workers! Beware of those who mutilate the flesh." He's talking about the people who want to circumcise new converts. For it is we who are the circumcision, who worship in the spirit of God and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh even though I, too, have reason for confidence in the flesh. Now, here he's going to go on and on about how how great he would be if the whole point of the world was to rack up points for righteousness and observance of religious laws and ceremonies. Now, he's saying, if anyone should want to play the game of deciding who's in and out based on their own merit, it's me, um, the Apostle Paul. I'm the champion of that game. And here's what he says. If anyone has... uh, reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a Jew in good standing, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, good parentage, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee, an expert, a teacher. As to zeal for protecting that law, a persecutor of the church because Paul had gone around uh, rounding up Christians and having them killed before he converted himself. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Never did a thing wrong. He's saying if that's the way you want to play it, if that's where you want to try to get your righteousness from, you're probably going to have trouble. I might not have as much trouble because I'm so great. (laughs) That's Paul. (laughs) But then he goes on in verse 7. Let's read the the last bit of this passage here, 7 through 11. Yet whatever gains I had, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying that all of those check marks that he has on his list of how to be a good religious person are loss. They mean nothing. They're, They're dead to him. He says, it's all rubbish. Our translators say the word rubbish. Um, The word there is actually a fairly crude term for excrement. That's what Paul says, trusting in the righteousness of following the law and being a good religious person is excrement. That's Paul. Righteousness doesn't come from your birth, doesn't come from the things that you do, It comes from your faith, your trust in Christ. But here's the catch. This is how it's a little tricky for us. If you want the righteousness of Christ, you actually have to completely let go of and give up on finding your own righteousness. See, there's a little turn of phrase here in verse 8 where he says... He regards these things as loss and as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So that's what he's saying is that's the way that you find yourself in Christ, is by regarding everything else that you've done good, all the stuff you've tried to do to keep up, appearances to be in good standing, it's a pile of rubbish. We'll just go with rubbish. And then toward the end of the passage he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, that is what we represent and symbolize in the sacrament of baptism. Sacrament is a word that means mystery and it's not mystery as in like puzzle or something confusing. It's mystery as in something that was hidden that has now been revealed. It's a sign of the work of God in our lives. We say that about baptism and we say it about communion. Other traditions say it about other acts of the church. For us, those are the two big ones. These are the two mysteries, the signs, the revelations of God, baptism and communion. And in baptism, we, we represent a few things. It's not just the, the very obvious visual representation of being washed clean, but it's also a more subtle and in some ways kind of disturbing sense of imagery of death and burial in the water and then resurrection emerging from the water. When a person is baptized, he or she undergoes this physical motion that, that is designed to represent what we said in the Creed about Jesus. Jesus. He died, was buried, descended to the dead. And on the third day, he arose again from the dead. That's the life into which we invite people to come and which is symbolized in the sacrament of baptism. Now, today we are baptizing two people. And the first of these, um, who I'll call up in just a minute, is um, a beautiful new little member of our community. He's at the back of the room there. You can see David um, Oliver, David, Um, I knew that was wrong, and uh, we'll call him up in just a minute. Now, in the majority of the Christian church's history and practice, baptism of infants has, has been the norm. Now, of course, in certain traditions, the church has chosen to hold baptism until later in life when a person is old enough to express his or her own faith. And at Artisan and in the family of churches of which we're a part we consider both of these traditions to be valid and uh, we simply leave it up to the parents and it helps us be in good community with each other, not to, uh, not to get too angry about the, our differences of opinion on that matter. Uh, and Mike and Courtney have decided to bring Oliver to the church to be baptized today and uh, we rejoice with them. So I'm going to invite them up now. Now, one of the neat traditions in baptism that we have at our particular congregation at Artisan is that we save a little bit of the baptism water each time we do baptisms. Um, just a little bit. Hi, buddy. <laughs> Isn't he cute? He's so distracting. He's so cute. Um, and so in this bowl, I actually have some water which has, no joke, um, little molecules of water that were in the baptism water from our first service of baptism. So we're going on almost 10 years together as a church, and we save a little bit of the water each time, and we add it to the, to the water that we will use uh, for our baptisms. And so now, this uh, water joins with the new water today, and it's a beautiful, beautiful imagery. So I'll get some of it back out. Today, Michael and Courtney bring their son to the church for the sacrament of holy baptism. We rejoice in God's promises to those taking this significant step of faith. Let us hear baptism's promise and call, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore... And my disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And the Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is above all and through all and in all. Let's pray over our water. We thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of water. Over it, the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation. Through it, you led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt and into the land of promise. In it, Your Son, Jesus, received the baptism of John and was anointed by the Holy Spirit as the Messiah, the Christ, to lead us through his death and resurrection from the bondage of sin into everlasting life. We thank you for the water of baptism. In it, we are buried with Christ in his death. By it, we share in his resurrection. Through it, we are renewed by the Holy Spirit. There, in joyful obedience to your Son, we bring into his fellowship those who come to him in faith, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now sanctify this water, we pray, by the power of your Spirit, that this child of yours may continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Michael and Courtney do you desire that Oliver be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Proclaiming this covenant with Jesus Christ, do you renounce all the powers of evil and declare your opposition to a way of life in contradiction to the gospel? Relying on God's grace, do you promise to teach the word of God to your child, to pray for and help him in every way so that he may become a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, do you promise to enable Oliver to participate fully in the life of the local body of Christ, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God? (laughs) Now, the Christian nurture of Oliver cannot be assumed by parents and family alone. Since we are members of one another in the fellowship of the church, the responsibility of caring for the newly baptized must be shared by all. In receiving and caring for Oliver, will you as members of the church of Jesus Christ do your part by word and deed with love and prayer to guide and nurture Oliver, encouraging him to know and follow Christ and caring for him as Christ's own? If so, answer, with God's help, we will. Okay. I see this little beautiful child. Hello. (laughs) How are you? I said earlier he's dressed better than I am. (laughs) Hi, buddy. All right. Um, If you guys could just hold him this way, (laughs) and Mike, you can come around and we're going to. Oh, it'll be over soon. <laughs> All right. Oliver Davidson, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Hmm. Through the covenant of grace, Oliver is now received into the nurture and care of the Christian church. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Well, I actually usually have certificates to give to you, but unfortunately my printer would not cooperate with me this morning. So I will give you the baptism certificate next time I see you guys. Okay? Thank you. Amen. And now, I'd like to invite Mary up with us. We are seeing both forms of uh, and, and traditions of baptism that I mentioned earlier represented this morning, and this is wonderful. Uh, Mary, you have some sponsors who you've asked to be with you today. Um, if you're one of Mary's sponsors, would you be so kind as to come forward now? This is Dell and Heidi and Joanna. And uh, Tracy is here in spirit. She's so sad to miss this, but unfortunately our son is very sick this morning, so... So, Dell and Heidi and Joanna, thank you for your love and care and support of Mary in her life and in her faith. And I want to ask you now, will you continue to walk with Mary in this new life in Christ and in the fellowship of this congregation? If so, say, with God's help, we will.
1: With God's help,
0: we will. Amen. Um, Mary, um, I've asked you to give a kind of a personal story of your own faith, a testimony, if you will and uh, so would you share with us now what brought you to this point why are you here today
1: Um, so when I was speaking with Scott last week he said to me two words that struck me then and have stuck with me since he said why Jesus and those two seemingly simple yet deeply moving words were more complex once I began to untangle the answer and then think about having to stand up here and share that with you (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I grew up in a family with mixed faiths, celebrating Hanukkah and Christmas, Passover, and Easter. I was the kid who always had a lot of questions, and I still am that kid. (laughs) In some ways, I think I always wanted to know Jesus. I was brought up with values of love, compassion, generosity, kindness, and the saying, never judge someone until you walk miles in their shoes. I want to live, share, and spread these values. And because of grace, living these values the best way I can will be good enough. I want to submit and surrender to the Lord's grace, and that will be good enough. I was reading Galatians earlier this week, and a few particular verses seemed to resonate with the embryonic concepts of my testimony. And in rereading the chapter later in the week, I found these verses to recapitulate the essential elements of what I wanted to share today. As I said, I think I always wanted to know Jesus, and I still do. I am answering this calling. Galatians 5:13 through 14 reads, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but did not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. This verse and the next one I'm about to read both encapsulate the values I was brought up with and endeavor to live, share, and spread as I walk through life. For me, baptism not only lets me proclaim my faith and surrender to grace, but also holds me accountable to living a particular life that embraces and emanates the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians five twenty two 22-25 reads, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit let us also be guided by the spirit.
0: Thank you, Mary. It's beautiful. Mary, do you now desire to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Proclaiming this covenant with Jesus Christ, do you renounce all the powers of evil and declare your opposition to a way of life in contradiction to the gospel? Do you repent of your sins, confessing Christ as your Savior and Lord and living as his faithful disciple? Will you devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you do all in your power to participate fully in the life of this congregation, to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Well, then I would ask you to come over with me. And your sponsors can come as well. Since the last time we did this, we have found a way to heat our baptism water. So (laughs) those who were baptized before you are very jealous right now. Go ahead and. Okay. Would somebody help me hold Mary here? Mary, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mary is now received into the fellowship of the Christian Church. Through the covenant of grace, God has made her a member of the household of God. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome you into this community of faith to share with us in Christ's ministry, for we are one in Christ. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the promises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. (laughs) I mentioned earlier that the two sacraments of the church that we observe, the two holy mysteries that we participate in and partake in at Artisan, are baptism and communion. And as we turn now to that second sacrament, I'm going to place some of the baptism water here on the table. If baptism is the sacrament of welcome into the community of faith, communion is the sacrament of sustenance, support, continual grace on our journey because... As anybody who has been a Christian for any length of time will tell you, uh, it doesn't end at this moment. Your problems don't all suddenly go away. You don't instantly become a perfect human being, ready to enter God's glory. Um, But you start down a path. And on the way, you need strength. You need food for your soul. You need God's continued, mysterious grace in your life. And that's what communion offers to us. We celebrate communion every week at Artisan, and it's an open table. Anybody who is seeking to follow Jesus in this place on this day is invited to participate in our sacrament with us. And uh, if you uh, come to the table and would like to remember your own baptism, remember the start of your journey, whether it was very recently, whether it was before you have memory, or anywhere in between, the water is here and you can recall your baptism after you receive communion if you'd like Um, if you are a person who does not confess Christian faith if uh, you are not following Jesus intentionally in your life we still are so glad that you're here today and uh, we want you to feel welcome and uh, comfortable it's entirely okay to sit and think and uh, meditate or pray uh, or just observe and no one will look sideways at you if that's what you choose to do this morning um what I usually say is uh, if you hear the, and feel the spirit of God speaking to you and leading you in one direction or the other, please follow that direction and uh, seek God in whatever way uh, he's calling you to himself this morning. And uh, we'll continue in worship uh, together. And uh, our prayer team usually um, puts a representative up here to pray with people personally during this time. If they'd like personalized prayer, um, I think it would be a little tricky to get up there so maybe we can set up a few chairs in the back corner there if you'd like personal prayer a member of the prayer team would love to pray with you this morning and we'll sing again uh, a couple of songs in just a minute so continue to worship him uh, if your children are down the other end you can go and get them um, respond to God's spirit let's continue in worship this morning Amen
1: For more information visit us at artisanchurch.com.